Hi. Hello. This is David Poland, and this is the audio podcast version of DP30. That's the whole idea is to have a conversation. So wonderful, wonderful. I, so you know. Um, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. Today's guest is Robert Green, the director of the remarkable documentary Procession. Where was the first inkling for you of the idea of making films this way? The idea that you would create this universe within this universe as a filmmaking style. Well, you know, I, I think so, you know, this is my seventh film. And uh, I think in some ways, Procession really is the payoff of a lot of the work I've been trying to do for a really long time. And um, that original original idea probably comes from uh, a review of my film, Katie with an Eye, where, where the, uh, the reviewer, Eric Cohn said, uh, she gives one of the best performances of the year. Mm -hmm. And then I realized what I had been filming you know, so this was my uh, sister that I've been filming. What I had actually been filming is uh, a girl, you know, performing the idea of adulthood. And right. to me, it was like seeing that and being able to say, like, what is the value of seeing the performance of adulthood rather than just the observation of the daily life? Like daily life is important. And the, the sort of the rhythms of daily life are important. But there's this other layer of something going on. And then that sort of like went through my other films and led me to this idea of like, well, not only are you going to be able to, to see what's going on, but then you could you could maybe even stage something. And Kate Plays Christine really was a film that was about how I didn't feel like I could make a film about this subject. And so how do you make a film about how you can't make a film? Well, this was the only method. And then using sort of recreations and stage scenes. And then the stage scenes for Bisbee we're much more like, oh, wow, we can do something with these stage scenes to be to get like some deeper understanding of what actually happened. And then from all that, I sort of land on uh, this, which is like, you know, maybe staging things in this different way can reveal these deeper truths about the church, about the abuse, about everything that happened, but also can potentially like lead to some sort of idea of healing, some sort of moving forward. Did you think of, were you considering formality? Were you considering the fact that you were breaking the rules, quote unquote, or changing the rules or? Well, I mean, I, you know, the history of documentary is the his history of staging and capturing at the same time. I mean, like, you know, uh, the, 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 those rules of, um, are, are, those rules are sort of arbitrary. I mean, I, I do think this, I think that there have been a lot of stories and a lot of great films, in fact, but a lot of, especially a lot of stories about this kind of abuse. But I feel like what has been lacking is the fact that the kind of abuse that it is, it, it's not just being abused by an older man when you're a vulnerable child. It's being abused by a system that says that that older man is, a, is next to God. It's being abused by an entire way of thinking, an entire, you know, these guys were indoctrinated into this way of uh, thinking in the Catholic Church. Mm -hmm. And it's, you're being abused by a, a way of life almost. And that is be, beyond damaging. I think all kinds of trauma can be, we're all handling so much trauma. Any kind of child abuse is so damaging, but this is like another layer of that. And I felt like, that news stories specifically have never really gotten to that 
point. Like they can't, you can't quite do it. So maybe this method, not only can this method maybe help the guys that are in the film, which was the primary reason for making the film, help viewers who are watching the film, which is the secondary reason for making the film, but maybe it can also shed a little bit of light on this, this system of abuse that that's happened, you know? Because if you're staging things, you're not just recounting stories, you're getting, you're using cinema and the language of cinema to say something else. So I don't, I do want to talk about the movie in depth, but I also want to go back. I mean, movie by movie by movie, you've added to it, you, as you were saying, you kind of melded this. Was it like, okay, this is now my thing and I'm exploring that? Was it kind of like, you wanted to do a film about something and the the format just be, was became something you were interested in and it evolved each time you made a movie or well it is really what it's the way i described it was discovery right like so so those early films discovering that i was actually interested in those the, that layer of performance right. and then i made a film called actress and brandy and i like we really pushed each other a lot further you know, I learned the value of collaboration. She taught me the value of collaboration force, forcefully, you know, because I might have had these sort of old school, these rules, ideas about objectivity and separation and all this other stuff. And none of that's not what that film's about at all. That film's about sort of using the, the, the almost the power of fantasy to have a different life, really. And like, that's, you know, and then and then for me, it was just sort of like, well, what else can we do? You know, like it, it, discovering the power of the staged moment it really was like exciting because it was like, okay, well now I finally have a way to tell this, this Christine Chubbuck story that I've never felt like I could do or this, or this Bisbee story that I've been trying to tell for 15 years. And then the dust settles for all that. And um, the real origin of this project was- so you were, so, Sorry to interrupt. No. You were, so you were really, it was the ideas that were with you for a period of time and you were straining to want to figure out how to make them into, into Yeah, film. well, I mean, with Bisbee, it was like, I, I remember when I was in Bisbee for the first time in 2003, I remember saying to myself, oh, maybe I can, you know, I could stage the deportation uh, with all the locals and make some sort of point. But I had no idea what that meant. I didn't know how to, I didn't know why I would want to do that. I didn't know how to do that. I didn't know like what would be the meaning. Cause I don't like re, I don't like reenactments and as a general rule, I think reenactments are often pretty bad. You know, I mean, there's some really great reenactments in history. I would say, you know, thin blue line has incredible recreations because those are not meant to be realistic. They're meant to get you to think clearly about what you're seeing. I would say the rescue actually has amazing recreations because it's like, you can't imagine how terrifying this was unless you have, unless you stage those scenes, you know? So I'm, you know, I think there can be great ones, but I've never been a fan of recreating things for dramatic purposes. To me, it's about intervening. It's about admitting that you're intervening into the, into the lives of the people. And then it's about doing something with it. You know, it's about like how you're doing something with the intervention. That's what I think my films are trying to get across. So when you start, and say something like actress, do you know as the director where you're going? Or are oh, you of course not. I mean, no, no, well, well, I would say I would say in other films, Katie with an eye was three days leading up to a graduation. Fake It So Real was one week leading up to a wrestling match. Um, uh, Kate Place Christine was leading to that desk and with her and whether we were gonna try to recreate a suicide attempt or you know, a suicide or not. Like, Bisbee 17, I knew we were going to end 
on the deportation. You know, Brandy and Actress was the one film where we didn't know where it was going to end, you know? And and to me, it's not about knowing where it's going to end. It's about having a goal, basically, like, you know, like some hope about where it's going to end, you know? That's, I'm kind of asking more about process than about the actual end end. I mean, more like, you know, do you know, okay, this is what I'm trying to shoot. This is what I'm trying to capture. Yeah. I need to get this to make the film work. Or the, are you finding that as you make the film? The way I think about it is, is so I edit my own films. So the way I think about it is I have a concept. This concept can be things like, for Bisbee, it was very much like, I wanna make a musical Western hybrid of film about mythology in the American West with the, with the recreation of the Bisbee deportation as it's just like blah, blah. Like it's this crazy long idea of what I wanted to do. And and the thing and that's like my north star. And then you arrive and you actually meet people and you start to shape it based on what actually who you actually meet. You know, it's not just about the ideas. The ideas are a framework, a backbone. And really, I think what you're really getting at, David, is like the, the idea really is what do I need to shoot because I'm the editor? Like, you know, so the, 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 when I say my North Star, I don't mean even the dream. I really mean it's like, that's my, that's my bucket list. We got to try to do these things in order so that I can go into my edit room and actually craft something out of this, right? So I'm all, I'm thinking like a hunter-gatherer almost. Like, let's, let's just literally, let's do everything. And my producers will tell you, that's how I think about these things. It's like, we got to try to do everything. And I didn't, and I, and I have a couple of rules that we can maybe set up for ourselves. You know, like I don't want the the stage scenes to look any different than the than the non-stage scenes because that's not a point I want to make. I don't want there to be a on and off switch. You know, um, and and I just sort of get in there and and try to find a way to explicate what we actually went through. So you have the bucket list always. I do. Well, I have the. I would say I have the framework. I have the concept. I have the theory. You know, like Frederick Weisman talks about the theory of what he's making, you know, um, I have the theory going in. In theory, this is what we're going to do. And then I absolutely hold that. That's my backbone. And I make choices just because if it, otherwise it would just be fiction. I mean, the reason why I, I desperately cling to nonfiction as, you know, documentary is the label for the for the films I make, because I know I know what I control and what I don't control. I just think I'm a little bit more honest, maybe sometimes about what I can control and what I can't. You know, um, I think a, a lot of filmmakers have the same sense. They they come in with this concept, but they don't want it to look like they have a concept. They want it to feel like it's natural and authentic. And I, I'm trying to get at something else. Well, it's far from the measles. <laughs> it's a million well, they're my heroes time. but i would disagree i would say the mazels are res responding to direct cinema right like right. like gray gardens is not a direct cinema film gray gardens is a film about collaboration and performance that's what gray gardens is i would say gimme shelter one of my favorite films of all time is about how do you make metaphor and meaning out of raw footage effectively and the method of showing the subjects their their own footage to get to some deeper truth you know, I think the Maisels were actually always trying to respond to the limitations of just, I mean, Al Maisels hated being called a fly on the wall. He said a fly isn't thinking or feeling. And he, what he means is I am thinking and feeling in every cho cho choice that I make. So I actually think the Maisels are more complicated than that. Well, they are. But <laughs> I, I, and it's interesting because your roots also seem to be a little bit in what we would think of as the theatrical. Sure. You know, you see on stage people deconstructing in the way that you do. You just don't see it on film very often. 
even yeah. even somebody like uh, 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 Errol Morris. Sure. As you were saying before, Errol has a kind of Errol does break the fourth wall a bit, but he doesn't. You know, he has his, he's playing a certain game. It's very yeah. Errol. Yours is like just show it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I you know, I one of the just, but. well, sure. The founding one of the like the early obsessions of my life was Brecht, of course, you know, like just, and because the thing about Brecht is Brecht, Brechtian techniques or whatever, it's such an overused breaking the fourth wall, all this other stuff. The thing that Brecht was about was making you think, not just feel. Feeling is easy. We talk in documentary, we talk about empathy and all this other stuff. The empathy is the most, probably the most important thing in the world, truly, but it's also, um, uh, uh, so there's a limitation to empathy. There's a limitation to the empathy that you feel for someone. And what Brecht was talking about was actually like, let's you let's activate the political imagination of the audience. Let's use let's break these rules. Let's use the making of the thing itself in order to activate thinking. They want you, he wanted you to think about what you're watching. And I think this that's what I, I would very much say that I work in that tradition. You know, like I, I want you to think about what you're seeing, not just feel something. So where did you get the um, guts <laughs> to go and ask people in this position to put themselves through this journey with you? Well, I, I, the guts comes from Rebecca Randall's, the lawyer who's in the film. You know, she we had a conversation and I said, I, you know, I basically talked to her about like, look, I made this film Bisbee 17 and someone asked me about whether or not we had a therapist on, on set. And my answer was not good. I was like, uh, well, I don't really think I need it, you know, and it was wrong. I should have had therapists there. We should have absolutely had therapists on site because that was an incredibly emotional day of recreating this historically traumatic event. And Rebecca Randall's listened to us, you know, and she knew the guys. She knew who they were, where they were coming from. She'd been working with them for years. And so when I kind of, I saw that this news conference that you see at the beginning of the film and I was just so struck and I was, and then sort of this fear and anxiety of like, well, maybe I should have had therapists suddenly, you know, uh, intermingled with my own desire to help these men, however I could. And it was like, oh my God, like these things are intersecting here. Maybe, maybe we can make, you know, I, I don't know if the documentaries can change the world, but having done this work, I know for sure documentaries change the lives of the people who are on screen, the participants. I know that. And it, so for me, it was like, if I know that, then why would I make more films that are, it, it, I can't make any more films that are idle. I can't make more films that are just about observing someone's story. That doesn't, because the truth is, is actress helped Brandy. But if I would have known that was my goal, I could have actually helped her even more. You know, right. I, like I think Bisbee 17 helped the people in Bisbee, you know, and but I but I didn't quite know that I was helping in that way. I knew we were exposing a, a, a forgotten story or a at least semi forgotten story, mm -hmm. but I didn't know I was helping. And I and so for me, it was just like if I can't help, it's like the do no harm. Well, I don't want to just do no harm. I want to help. And, and so I came to Rebecca with that pitch and she really, the, the guts comes from sort of this sense of like, you know, why else? What, like, what else can I do with my work that unless it's trying to help these guys that I fell in love with in that video. And Rebecca gave us the, the trust and she gave us the backbone. She, she cast the film. 
she she's the one who picked those six guys to come and be a part of the film she she knew that they could in her mind it was like who can get something from this and who can handle this and so you know and also the guts come from the fact that at any point in the process we could have stopped Right. You know, like any other sort of therapy, we're, we're not practicing therapy in this film. That's do. not what we're doing. I mean, it's there, but it's therapeutic. You know, yeah. it's, there's, there's a difference between therapy, which is a clinical process and therapeutic, which is just coming together to do something helpful. And, and the guts also came from knowing we could stop. The guts come from listening to Ed's wife tell me that I don't know what I'm doing. And then her seeing what we we're doing and her saying, you know what? I, I trust you now. Like, I see what you're doing. The, the guts come from the doubt. The guts come from the guys themselves, you know? So what was the, how, what was it like the first time you spent time with the guys? We, well, the first, we, we had one meeting that was not, not filmed. And I, I just got the sense that they were hungry for something, you know? And then we filmed the scene, the first, the, that first round table uh, meeting and you, you see it. I mean, you see, the the first impression was I, I love these guys. Uh, I am I was struck by Ed saying, I've never been in a room with this many other survivors. And just how immediately cathartic that was. Like the fact that we could like, if we had only done that meeting, I would have thought we did good work, you mm -hmm. know? And I was just blown away by their 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 awareness that you know, the way they talk about how they don't want to be depicted. The way they, that their hope, the fact that they were, you know, talk, they talked about going through therapy that first day, like therapy tells me I'm supposed to put this in the bottom of the ocean and put a boulder on top of it and never let it come back out. Well, guess what? That's not working for me. Mm -hmm. Or, or that first day they would also talk about, well, I want other people to see this. If this can help, I want other people to be helped. You know, that sort of generosity and, and, and I thought, I'll be honest, like I thought when Rebecca was saying, I'm, I've got these guys, I've worked with them. I thought they'd all met each other, mm. but they hadn't met each other because the, the, the process of the legal process isolates them just as much as any other process because they can't be sharing stories if they're going to go into a legal case, right? So the fact that we were introducing people who had been connected in this way, it was just unbelievably powerful and then for them to grab a hold of what we we sort of laid this thing out there and said here and they took it mm -hmm. and then we followed them as much as they were following us for the rest of the way well i think it's one of the great gifts to the audience that um they're so completely different in terms of how they experience it and what they want and how they feel still and how they express their emotion about it and also how completely connected they are Totally. I think the film does that. I don't I think people realize, I mean, we're going through this whole thing with the drama around Dave Chappelle and all of that and the, the lack, a certain lack of empathy. Uh, and everybody kind of wants to make it all one thing because I think that's easier for people, but it's yeah. so not. It's not one thing. And, it, and it's, and, and I mean, I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole of awful, but, um, <laughs> but I will, <laughs> you're like, I've already had, I've already gone down that rabbit hole. I don't know if you've sold your movie to Netflix. So I'm like really in trouble. <laughs> well, yeah, but they, <laughs> but they, um, the guys that, that different oh, perspective. You your movie to Netflix. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> of course. Yes. They, I have indeed sold the movie to Netflix. Um, the, the, the guys, uh, their, um, their differences are what makes it 
makes the film work because it's because the because what the point of the film is not what happened because this has happened to thousands and thousands and thousands of people the point is how do you process what happened how do you deal with what happened how do you try to like functionally cope with what happened and the important thing is not that there is one way to do that the important thing is in fact that there is not one way to do that and seeing all their different responses to trying to find some sort of um hope and faith again is 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 crucial you know like michael's way of dealing with things is way different than mike's you know michael is is at a remove and thoughtful and like, you know, he wants to help other people, but he's got, and Mike is just angry and he's just so angry. And th they both have different viewpoints and, but they watching them come together and be able to collaborate. And then since then have become, they've become closer friends. It's remarkable. What about the kid? Yeah. What about was that? Was that challenge? Was that a fear? It was, was bringing a kid into that scary for you? Was it, there's a lot of yeah i mean I, I i have two children i have a i have a 12 year old boy um i know i know what that boy knows and what he doesn't know you know um it, you know that was dan and michael came up with this idea of the one boy and we had at that point we had built what we felt was a really safe environment to do this work in you know we had several therapists on board we had other family members who were part of the process, more or less, like coming in and out and being there. Um, you know, uh, so I at that point I was already feeling confident that we could take other things on, but it was Dan that saw in Tarek this incredible strength mm -hmm. that was just a remarkable trait that he had. And and the truth is, is the other night I had a Q and A um, with, with for the film and you know, someone was asking about the boy and he was worried. And I got the sense that maybe he had a son of his own. And so it was just being protective. And uh, I had a therapist in the, in the audience and she said, I've worked with trauma survivors. I've worked with children. The, the thing that traumatizes is taking power away. Mm. And what you see in the film is that he's not, his power is not being taken away because you see him go up up to Ed and said, I, I hope I could tell your story. You see him, you know, you see him tell Mike, I believe you. That's not like, I know I'm supposed to say I believe you. That is I, Tarek, a young boy, a kid, a kid with agency and thoughts and my own feelings. I'm telling you, I believe you because I know that that will be validating for you because I'm 12 years old and I know what's up, you know, like it's, it's, you know, the, the naivete that was exploited by these abusers is not present in Tarek's life. He's not Catholic. That is a huge part of why it wasn't traumatizing for him to be in those spaces. But we we made sure his parents were around. The Monica Fenny, the drama therapist, worked really closely with him. We made sure that he was good at all times. And every time we checked in, he was like, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> and, and now I know, thanks to this therapist who spoke up in this, in this audience, you, you know, I, I know partly because we were careful to make sure he had agency the whole time. So we need to wrap up in a sec, but I just, was there a point at which you felt like we're now going down the river together and it's working and as a filmmaker, this is gonna come together? Oh, totally. The there's, there's, so we started filming say March 
we were we had a bit of a weird day which you see in the film it's not it's like a little bit it's kind of like maybe it works maybe it doesn't michael says i'm not going to self-flagellate in front of the camera to get a result like like there's a lot of questioning that happened that first day and then ed's like hey maybe we can go to wyoming and i can go back to this church that i haven't been to in 35 years and maybe i can ring this bell that was a really beautiful childhood memory of mine and then he did it <laughs> and then we we and he wouldn't have done it without the cameras and he wouldn't have done it without the other guys right. like he he simply would have never gone back to that place without we the filmmakers and those other men that went with them and they did and they went with them and we filmed it and he felt better and then it was like you know what I almost felt like the guys started to feel a little bit invincible. It was like, we can do this. And then there was a lot of like ups and downs and a lot of rough days and a lot of, you know, exhilarating days after that. But once we, we sort of felt the aura of that moment and it, it almost like gave us armor to, to, to really try, you see it worked. You see it worked. Like literally he wanted to do it. He told us he wanted to do it. We went and did it. And it was like, from that point forward, it was like, we can do this. Well, I think you did what you wanted to do, which was to reach for something bigger, I guess, than you've done before. Because uh, this movie is going to affect a lot of people's lives in a beautiful way, I think. So That means a lot, David. And it really means a lot to, for you to ask these questions about the, the other work and just... I mean, that's, that's what an honor, really, honestly, like just that you would have thought about that. And, and um, cause you know, for me, it's my whole life. And so I very much appreciate you um, taking that time and thinking that way. Well, I think you're charting new ground, which I find, I mean, I, there are a lot of great filmmakers out there, uh, but not everybody is, you're, you're going someplace that other people aren't going and you've been going there, but now this is like, you know, it's kind of an, the evolution of it is fascinating. So uh, I'm, Looking forward to the next. And if let's see what happens. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, you look like you have a few more of these in you. I mean, not this one, but some. You know, like you're going to be going around for a while. I'm not concerned. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, David. Thank you so thank much. You. Travel safe. Okay. Bye. Thank you. Bye.